Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Grab your Bibles, your handouts, your notes. Grab, uh, open the app on your phone so you can follow along. Get ready. Let's, uh, let's dive in this morning. Uh, you'll notice uh, we have this baptistry here in front of me, in front of you this morning. At 9 o'clock, we celebrated baptism. We didn't have anyone lined up for the 11 o'clock service, but I want to just stop and say to you, this is what happens. It's, it's, it's transformation of lives is what happens when you gather, when you pray, when you become fully devoted followers of Christ, when you, when you give of your tithes and your offerings, when you serve. Everything that God does through you as you do those things leads to changed lives. And so I just want to thank God for you. Thank God for the ways lives are being changed here at Christ Church. And uh, we'll, let's pray for those who are being baptized, who are coming into the kingdom, into the family of God. And uh, so thank you for doing that, for the ways that you serve and the ways that you are becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. We've been, we've been talking about what Christ people do over the last few weeks. We've said because God has given us this identity of being Christ Church, we've asked the question, and what, what is it that Christ people do? And we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. We've said that fully devoted followers of Christ have at least six characteristics. They're on the screen. You can write those down if you haven't become familiar with those yet. Uh, we spent some time talking about the fact that we're wired for worship. We're, we, we, everyone worships something. We're all wired to worship. We're created to worship, and worshiping the one true God is where it all begins. And then we want to connect. We want to connect to the heart of God and to the hearts of one another so that we do life together and we learn and we grow and we support one another. That's what Brandon was talking about in the, in the announcement video is, is doing for one another what we can do for one another as we serve the Lord. And now we're going to talk to, we're talking about growing, growing to become mature. So we're going to spend some time talking about this morning and we'll go on through the, the list as we continue on the next few weeks talking about the gifts God has given you to enable you to serve the ways that he wants you to give and be generous the way he is generous, and then yielding to the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll spend some time talking about that as well. But for this, for this morning, for today, let's talk about growing. You realize the kingdom of God has always been growing. Since the kingdom of God became present here on this earth through the person and power of Jesus Christ, for the last 2,000 years, the kingdom of God has been growing. And we, we sort of take it for granted, I think. We see what happens. We, we, for example, let me, let me tell you something you take for granted. We all take this for granted. You may realize that we would not, we would not have the hospitals and the medical care we have today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. You, do you realize that? You, know, you realize that before Jesus came along, there wasn't a lot of compassion on the planet for other people. Everybody pretty much took care of themselves. They're, they're, for, they're dependent on themselves. And because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working through people, we have hospitals. That's why many of them are named after saints or after leaders in the Christian faith. You realize we wouldn't have the education system we have today if it wasn't for the coming and the growing and the exploding of the kingdom of God on the planet. Do you know that almost every Ivy League school in this country originally started by 
devoted followers of Jesus, and their primary purpose and hope and plan and prayer was that they would raise up fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You realize that? At places like Harvard and Princeton, and I could name many, many more, who started for that purpose. We would not have the education system we have today if it wasn't for the fact that the kingdom of God is growing. It, it's present on the planet because of the person of Jesus Christ. Now, it all began in a small, nondescript little village called Nazareth 2,000 years ago when the Spirit of God impregnated a young Hebrew girl named Miriam. We know her as Mary. She, she was impregnated by the seed of God. We're going to talk about seeds this morning. The seed of God was placed in her womb, and she was expected because she was carrying the kingdom of God in her. And the world became expectant, expecting the king, kingdom of God to emerge and grow and thrive and build. She carried the kingdom of God in her for nine months and then raised Jesus as her son. Let me ask you a question. Is the kingdom of God present and alive in you? Are you carrying the kingdom in you? And is it growing and is it becoming mature in you? Is it causing you to become mature? So I want to spend some time talking about this morning. Uh, I was thinking this week about little Samuel, a, uh, a man we read about in the Old Testament, whose mother prayed that she would get pregnant with a she she couldn't have children and it was a disgrace to her. In fact, she was even she, her her husband had two wives and the other wife made fun of her because she couldn't have children. And so she prayed. She went to Shiloh, like God, the people of God would go to Shiloh every year. And she prayed that God would enable her to get pregnant. And she promised God that if you'll, if you'll allow me to be pregnant, I will dedicate my son. As soon as he is weaned, I will bring him to you, and, and he'll be raised in your presence. And she did that. And young Samuel was born, and when he was weaned, she brought him to the temple there at Shiloh where Eli the priest was. Now, Eli was not necessarily a good priest. His own sons were a disgrace. They were doing unthinkable things. But he raised Samuel, and Samuel became a man of God because the kingdom of God was alive in him. This is what it says about Samuel. First Samuel chapter 2, 26, it says, Now the boy Samuel was growing... He was growing in stature and in favor with both with the Lord and with men. I don't know if you recognize that passage of Scripture or not, but there's a passage of Scripture that's almost exactly like it about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This passage is written about Jesus because Jesus and his family had done their annual pilgrimage from Nazareth. They'd walked as a family entourage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and they were always just a big group of people, and the kids were running around, and you never knew for sure where, where the kids were. You just assumed they were all with you. And when it, was, when it was time to leave Jerusalem and walk back to Nazareth, they walked for three days and realized Jesus is not with them. They would probably be back home by this time, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. 
they go all the way back to Jerusalem, found Jesus in the temple, speaking with the, the Pharisees and the keepers of the law and the, and the scribes and so, and they were amazed by his wisdom. They were asking him, why, were you, why did you scare us like this? He said, you know I'd be in my father's house, right? And then it goes on, they, they took him back home and it says about him, the same thing it says about Samuel. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. You see, we're designed to grow. Just like we're designed to worship, just like we're designed to connect, we're designed to grow. We're hardwired to grow. We'll grow in some direction or another, but we're going to grow. We're designed that way. Uh, we, we can see this easily in our children and grandchildren, right? We watch them grow fast, and you know most of them start out in this world at less than 10 pounds, and the moms who give birth to them are happy about that, <clears throat> which, which is why it's always moms who ask the stats questions about the little babies, you know, when they're born. That's the first question Kathy always asks, you know, how much did the baby weigh and how long was it? And I'm like, I don't. I don't remember, but, but guys, if you get guys together, guys will remember stats like horsepower in cars and, and sports stats. I mean, we'll remember all kinds of stats. We won't remember baby stats, but there's a reason for that. I mean, guys, let's face it. If we were the ones giving birth, we would know the stats, right? We'd just ask one another, how big was that baby? And that's what moms are saying when they're asking the weight of the baby and the size of the baby. That's, right. that's, why, that's why moms who give birth to babies who are over 10 pounds get hero status. But yet, no matter, even though they start very small, they grow so fast. Why? Because they're designed to grow. They're hardwired to grow. Our little granddaughter, the, the, latest, the, the newest little granddaughter, Mari was born uh, between Christmas and New Year's, so she's, what, six, seven weeks now? She was five-something when she was born. She's about 10 pounds now. She's nearly doubled in size in seven weeks. And that's what happens when the conditions are right. That's what happens when everything is right, when, when, when babies are healthy and they're given nurture and care and love and food and rest and so, and they're not sick and they're, they're taken care of, and they're, they're, they're given an environment, an environment in which they can thrive. They grow, don't they? They just grow. That's what we're designed to. We're designed to grow. Look at your neighbor and say, you're designed to grow. Say it with some conviction now. We're designed to grow physically and spiritually and socially and academically in all kinds of ways, and, and good growth and good health is the plan. It's the goal, isn't it? And when that happens, when we grow and mature in a good way, well, I guess it works either way. Whether we grow and mature in a good way or we grow and mature in a bad way, we reproduce who and what we are, don't we? You ever notice that? You reproduce who and what you are. So let's talk about seeds this morning. I, I don't know if you can see this or not. I brought a whole container of bean seed here, so we're going to do a little seedology this morning. Uh, you come to church to get a botany lesson or a science lesson this morning. We're going to talk about seeds. You know, I'm an old farm boy, so in fact, my first degree is in agribusiness, so I know a little bit about seeds. 
And we're going to talk about seeds. Jesus talked about seeds in at least three of his parables. And there's a reason why. He, there are very few subjects Jesus talks about more than once, especially in parables. But there are three parables about seeds. I think he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us how important this is. So let's talk about what this looks like. You know, I said I, I, I was raised on the farm. I have a degree in agribusiness. I'll never forget the very first time I experienced farming on my own, not just, you know, with, I was obviously still farming with my dad, but I was only 15 years old, and he took me out to a field one year, and he said, it was a fairly small field, 25 acres, and he said, this year, this field is going to be your field. You're going to take care of it. You're going you're gonna to go find the seed, and you're going to take care of the, the chemicals and the fertilizer, and, and it'll be your responsibility. So he took me to the bank and sat down with the banker, and the banker loaned me $3,000, because my dad was sitting in the room. And I took that loan, that $3,000 loan, put it in my bank account, and then we went to the fertilizer store, and we bought the seed, and we went to the fuel place, and we bought the fuel, and we contracted the fuel for the season that year, and we lined up all the resources we needed to plant all the crops, and I had the resources I needed to plant that 25 acres. And now, I was only 15 years old, so this has been several years I will never forget I will never forget all my life the day I planted that field I had the conditions were all right I I did we were still doing tillage uh, agriculture then for those of you who are familiar most farmers do no-till crops now we were doing full till so I'd I disked I'd field cultivated I'd harrowed I I planted the field and I'll never forget the moment I pulled out of that field and I looked back and I thought, and this is the thought that came to my mind, I just took $3,001 bills and laid them all out on that field and now I expect them to grow. It's like, God, God, you got to help me. God, you got to make this grow. Because now I've had times, I've, since that time, I've had seasons where I got completely wiped out by hail or flooding or drought completely wiped out. But that year, by the grace of God, I had a good crop. And I learned so much about the significance of seed and good soil. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about. And that's what Jesus talks about in, in his parables, because that's us. God wants to plant his seed, his truth, his word, his righteousness, his holiness, his grace, all that he has, he wants to plant in you. So let's look and see what that looks like. The first of the three parables. A parable is a parable means to throw alongside. Jesus throws a story alongside a kingdom principle or truth so that we'll understand what he's trying to say. Now he's already, we're going to pick up this story in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Jesus has already said the parable, now he's going to explain it. He has said, when a farmer goes out and scatters seed, some of it falls on good soil, some of it falls on rocky soil, some of it falls in places where there are weeds and thorns and thistles, and some of it birds carry off. And the, and the disciples said, what are you talking about, Jesus? Help us understand and so this is Jesus' ex explanation. He says, Mark 14, 13, he says, uh, do, you, do you understand the parable? He said, how will you understand all the parables? He said, I can see him sort of holding his forehead going, what am I going to do with you guys? 
the sower sows the word. He's going to explain now. The sower, God, sows the word. That's his word. The seed is the word of God. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Now, we've all had that happen, haven't we? Have we all had a time when God, when we read God's word or when God said something to us or we learned something that was true about God and Satan comes along and takes that truth and replaces it with a lie? You ever had that happen? Anybody else? Reality is, whether you know it or not, everybody in the room has had that happen. We've all experienced that at one time or another in our lives, haven't we? We all have. That's what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, isn't it? God gave them a word about how to live in the garden, how to be, how to be full of life and truth and health and live and walk with God and have an amazing life. He said, just don't eat from this tree. Satan comes along and says, no, God's, God's wrong. I'm going to take the word from God. I'm going to give you a lie. And that's what they did. They believed him. And then they lost the garden. Right? We've all had that happen, haven't we? Okay, four of us have had that happen. In a similar way, verse 16. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown. On the rocky places, who when they heard the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves. So there's a soil problem here, isn't there? But there's only, it's only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Verse 18, and others are the ones on whom the seed is sown among the thorns. These are the ones who've heard the word, but the worries of the world. Anybody ever have any worries? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever have any worries? <clears throat> the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed, now, now there are those on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. This morning I want to talk about three things. I want to start by talking about how and why seeds grow. So if you're taking notes, write that down. How and why, point number one, how and why seeds grow. Let's keep reading and we'll set it up this way from what Jesus has to say in Mark 4.26. He goes on saying, he said, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil, and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He's saying, you know, we don't really know how this works. Now, I understand that scientists can study this, and they know that it's a, a seed is alive, and it has a germ in it, and, this, and the seed needs to fall in the ground, and the hole needs to break open and die, and, and then it puts a We understand the chemistry and the biology of this, right? But nobody can tell you how all that got in this little seed. It's created this way. It's created this way by God. Only God can make a seed. 
Everybody agree with that? So nobody really knows exactly how God does that. That's God's job. That's God's responsibility, isn't it? Our responsibility is to receive it and give it an environment in which it can grow and be healthy. Because the goal for every seed is growth, health, maturity, and multiplication. Let me say it again. The goal for every one of these seeds, unless they're going to be eaten, which they, if they're eaten, they still produce energy and health, don't they? But if they're planted, the goal for every seed is to produce, is to grow, to be healthy, to mature, and to multiply. You want to say that with me? It's to grow, be healthy, mature, and multiply. That's the goal for every time God says something to you, for every word God gives to you, the way he wants you to grow is to receive it, to grow, be healthy, mature, and multiply. If it, if it stops at any point along the way, it's not going to multiply and it's not going to fulfill its purpose. Right? And that's what happens so often in so many of our lives is we get started. We get started in relationship with God and then we stop growing because something happens along the way. That's what I want us to focus on in our own lives. I want you to begin to ask even now, God, what is in the way? What is causing the seed to stop growing or to not be healthy or to not mature or to not multiply in me? And I believe God wants to point that out in each one of us so that those things can be eliminated and we can refocus and become mature, healthy, and multiply, multiplying people. This is a step-by-step process. First, we cultivate, then we prepare the seed bed, then we plant the seed, then we tend the crop, and then it multiplies. When, when I planted that crop, and when I was 15 years old, I planted the crop in May, but it was early October before I could harvest the crop. <laughs> you know, I say all that because this is important for us. It's, this God, it's, it's God's timetable that matters here, isn't it? Only the way God pr- produced and created this seed, it can only mature in the limit, in the amount of time God says it's going to mature. But we have to continue to tend that seed and tend that crop until it produces a harvest. We tend to want to go from seed to feed overnight. So write this down if you're taking notes. Write this down. Our responsibility, if you're not taking notes, write this down. Our responsibility is to synchronize our faith with God's schedule. Because the seed is always on time. I'm going to start preaching in a minute. God's seed is always on time. Our responsibility is to synchronize our faith, our trust, our obedience, and our timetable with God because God's seed is always on time. And the seed, when this seed gets planted, when these seeds, if I were to plant these seeds in soil... They would go through a test. The soil is the test. Are you writing this down? 
The test, the test of the seed is can it survive the soil conditions? The test of the seed is can it survive the soil conditions? Is the seed God's placing in your life going to survive the soil conditions in your heart? If I plant these seeds out on the sidewalk, it's not going to work, is it? If I plant them in rocky soil, probably isn't going to work. If I plant them in good soil, that seed will survive and it will thrive. It will grow, it will mature, it will reproduce, it will be healthy. So let me ask you, are you sweet soil where God's dreams can grow? You know what? God has a dream for you. God has a dream. If you're married, God has a dream for your marriage. If you have a career path, God has a dream for that in your life. If you have children, God has a dream for your children. Is your heart and your mind, is your life good soil where the seeds God continues to pour in is going to come to grow and be healthy and mature and multiply because the soil is sweet and ready, receiving what God is giving you. God's responsibility is to plant the seeds. Our responsibility is to be good soil. Our responsibility is to be in good environments where the soil, where the seed can grow. I, uh, again, I've worked for the you may not know this. I worked for the Soil Conservation Service for three and a half years. I know a little bit about soil. So I've watched, and I've farmed enough. I've watched guys who know how to prepare the soil and plant the right seed in the right soil so that it grows and is healthy and it matures and it multiplies. Secondly, the purpose and potential of good seed you realize that we've been talking about the goal of every seed, and God has planted his seed inside of you. Ephesians 4, if you have your Bibles, turn there. In Ephesians 4, God says, I'm going to plant my spirit in you, and I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a supernatural ability that you will be able to use and multiply for the grace, by the grace of God and for his glory so that the kingdom of God will continue to grow. That's God's plan for his, his kingdom to grow in and through you. Remember telling our kids this years ago, God has placed in you his spirit and a gift of his spirit so that you have a supernatural ability. You know what that means? When we used to sing this little song. Remember, remember the song? I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise. And we'd give emotions with a capital P. I'm a great big bundle of potentiality. That's not just a kid's song, is it? That's what God wants you to know. Not because we're special, but because we are an environment where the seed of God can grow. And that's, what, that's where the potential comes from. That's where God's power comes from. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, 
Ephesians 4.11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man or woman, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That just blows my mind. You realize what he's saying here? You can be as mature spiritually as Jesus. And that's his plan. That's his goal. That's his dream for you. And he goes on to say, when that happens, as a result, verse 14, there will no longer be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up. We're to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, we're to grow up. Say it with some conviction this time. Look at your neighbor and say, we're to grow up. Into all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. He goes on to say, as we experience this kind of growth, we take off the old and we put on the new so that when the seed of God gets planted in us, it grows and it's healthy and it matures and it multiplies. And the kingdom of God advances and it spreads and it gets into our kids and through our friends and through our neighborhoods and through our schools and through our workplaces and it continues to grow and more hospitals are built, more schools are built, more churches are built and more neighborhoods are fully devoted to Jesus Christ. That's the hope of the world, friends. And that's what he wants to do in and through each one of you. Do you believe that? If you really believe that, then you have to grow. And I have to grow. We have to grow. We have to become mature. We have to grow. We have to receive God's truth and his grace so that it grows and it's healthy and it matures and multiplies again it's god's timing here we have to we have to be patient we have to wait on him we have to trust him all along the way but we have to make certain we're in the right kinds of environments so that as the seed multiplies it will spill over into the lives of others and grow in them too You know, I say this all the time, and I'm going to get to point three here, which is the danger and devastation of bad seed. We need to make sure we stay away from bad seed. Beware of the tares. Look at your neighbor and say, beware of the tares. Let's read in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 24 Another parable about seed. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. Tares produce a plant that looks a lot like a wheat plant. But it's bad seed. It's not a, it's not a wheat plant at all. It's, it's not something you can eat. It's, it's not good for anything. So, verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, 
then the tares became evident also. So when the head appears and it's full of grain, you can tell the difference in the plant. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? He said, No, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, First gather up the tares, bind them in bundles, burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, I've, we've planted lots of crops. We've planted lots of gardens. And so I have never, ever planted a weed seed. Have you? Anybody ever have to, anybody ever have to plant a weed seed? But did you have weeds? You've done some gardening or even in your flower beds. Do you plant those weed seeds in your? No, you don't plant those. They just come, don't they? Because they're evil. (laughs) Bad seed. It's not going to produce anything of any value. And that's what we have to be careful of. And here's the deal. Here's here's the takeaway from this, friends. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again until I die. Every environment and every person is designed to lead you somewhere. There are no neutral environments and there are no neutral people. Can I say that one more time? There are, you need to tell this to your kids. You need to tell it to your grandkids. You need to tell it to your friends. You need to tell it to yourself. There are no neutral environments and there are no neutral people. Environments are designed to lead you somewhere. Educational environments are designed to educate you. Entertainment environments are designed to entertain you. Eating in environments are designed to feed you. Don't be in environments that will lead you somewhere where you shouldn't be going. It's going to spoil your soil. It'll spoil your soil. And when, when God plants seed in spoiled soil, the seed is going to die. I'm starting to preach right now, right? When God sows his seed, his truth, his word, his grace into spoiled soil, it's going to kill the seed. But the weeds will grow, won't they? And it will become a wasteland and devastation, which is exactly what God talks about in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. That's what the world was like before he came and brought order to chaos. You got to stay out of environments that are going to spoil your soil. You got to stay out from in front of movies that are going to spoil your soil. You got to stay out of it, uh, away from people who are going to spoil your soil. We... We used to put chemicals on soil, and once in a while, we would spill some. And so a concentrated bit of of chemical, weed killer, would fall in one place. I guarantee you, it's been 25 or 30 years since I've farmed. I could go back to those places where I spilled the chemical, and still to this day, there will be a place this big around on that soil where nothing grows. 
because it spoiled the soil. Now, God wants us to be a recipient of good seed that will grow and mature and multiply in a healthy way, in a way that he has designed so that when he plants good seed, it expands the kingdom in you and through you. You know, God's responsibility is to give you good seed. His responsibility is to take care of the timing. His responsibility is even to bring about the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. Your responsibility and my responsibility is to be good soil. Is to align our agenda and our timetable and our life and all of our stuff up with him so that our faith is aligned with his schedule. Because he put a schedule in this seed, didn't he? He put a timetable in this thing. And it's his time, not ours. Can you do that? In the first parable, Jesus said, God makes some to be 30. Some will, some will reproduce 30-fold, some will reproduce 60-fold, and some will reproduce 100-fold. Listen carefully to this. Listen very carefully to this. The important thing is that you reproduce. It's not important how much you reproduce. You may be a 30-fold person. That may be the way God designed you. You may be a 60-fold person. That's the way God designed you. You may be a 100-fold person, and that's the way God designed you. But there's, there's no difference in the quality or the, the value. If you're a 30-fold person, you should never want to be a 100-fold person because it'll kill you. You can't handle it. And that's okay. Be content. See, our tendency, isn't it, as humans, is to be a 30-fold person and look at the person who's a 100-fold person, and we want to be them. But God didn't design you to be a hundredfold person. And I'll tell you, friends, maybe you see this more clearly as you get older. So let me tell you, from my perspective, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful God didn't, you know, that, I, that God made me who he made me to be. And that he didn't heap onto me more of a harvest than I can handle. so important for us to be content with what God has given us. His wisdom, his timing, his ways are perfect. And he knows what he designed you for. So be content. It reminds me of, a, of the question, you know, who's more content? The, the man who has 12 children or the man who has a million dollars? You know, who's more content? The man who has 12 children, because he doesn't want any more. <laughs> Be content with what God has given you. And don't want any more. Want everything he has for you. <laughs> want everything he has and be prepared for it and be good soil. Stay out of environments and away from people that will spoil your soil. Now, let me ask you. I don't know what God's been saying to you, but maybe he's been saying something different to each one of you. 
But as God been saying, as you've been pointing out something in your life where the soil needs to get reworked, cleaned out, rocks, thorns, thistles, lies. I think maybe he is. So would you bow your head with me and let's pray. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, God, I, I needed to hear what you have to say to me from your word today. Would you just, if, if, if you're hearing from God and you know that he's speaking to you and there's some ways that he wants to shift and plant new seed in better soil and ways that, would you say, that's me? Just not raise your hand and just identify with that. Praise God. Amen. All over the room. So thank you, Father, for speaking to us and for the ways that we're all in some ways saying, God, that's me and I need you to purify my heart and mind. Help me to stay out of or away, completely away from environments that will spoil my soil. And Lord, bring, bring the seed you have for me and, and then lead me to tend, to tend it according to your timetable and to wait on you and to be prepared in the ways that you want me to be prepared to grow, to be healthy, to mature and receive your harvest. And then Lord, Use that harvest to spill over into the lives of those around us, our children, our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, and others around this city and world. Thank you for your truth, Lord, from your word. Thank you for the ways you remind us of who you are and what you want us to know and the ways you want us to respond and now, Lord, we're going to respond this morning as we sing another song. And I pray you'll draw every person, every man and woman, every young person to come and respond and pray. And perhaps pray for others, receive ministry, pray for themselves, pray for the ways that you can purify us, make us holy and righteous. That you can restore the soil of our lives. And then plant the seed in us. So it will grow and be healthy and mature and multiply. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand together? Stand with me. And as, we're, as we sing this next song, I want to invite you to come and pray. You can come pray for someone else. You can come pray for a need you have. Maybe God's been speaking to you about some ways that he wants to purify or reclaim some spoiled soil. So I invite you to come pray now as we sing this last song.